When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the best assassin ever in the Assassin's Creed franchise. Well, that's debatable. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Kevin. And I'm Bruce. And today, we're going to talk about why Ezio Auditore da Frienze is the best assassin ever. Look, you know, we talk a lot about things on the Lore Party channel, and I guess we're just going to throw facts out the window here, but... (laughs) We will talk objectively as best we can about how Ezio is okay. He's all right. All right. Okay. So, so he's definitely not your favorite. That's for sure. He's 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 very iconic. He's really been great. I just think he's a bit overrated, but not by a huge margin. Just look. Let's just talk about him. And hey. This is your chance to convince me that Ezio is definitely worth a lot more of my time. Okay. All right. I'm going to start off a little bit in the beginning then. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me about his life story. Ezio Auditore di blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> little <Okay>. revelations <laughs> joke. Little revelations joke. <laughs> okay. So basically Ezio, he's born in, uh, I have his birthday written down actually, June 24th. Oh my. 1459. God. Yeah, yeah. Are I you? Went, I went all out on this are you- one. President no of idea. are you president of his fan club or something? I probably should be. Look, I'm Sicilian, so when I got a nice, nice, you know, Italian guy coming out. Now, granted, Italy is not Sicilian. Sicilian. He's I know it's a little different, but you know, we speak the same language. It's fine. Florentian. Uh, I don't know what that look, is. Is it Florentian? Yeah, I th- he was he was born in Florence. Yeah, um, Ezio is beginning. The beginning of the game is Ezio is born into like a really rich family. And he is the ladies' man. He's like, you know, he's the guy everybody wants to be. He's he's buff. He's good looking. He's, you know, he's got charm. He can woo the women. He, he's a rich kid who's a badass. But he's not really a dick. He's got dickish tendencies. But he's, he's you know, what is he, like 18 or something like that in the first, in the first one that he's in? So... In the first one, well, Assassin's Creed 2. When I say first one, I mean first one out of the Ezio trilogy. So we're talking Assassin's Creed 2. Yes. But in the first game that you play as Ezio, uh, you start off kind of figuring out who this kid is. And you're like, okay, so he's just a, he's just a rich guy and he's a good, he's a bachelor. He's just a rich bachelor. Yeah. And, and life couldn't be better. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's great. Um, basically, what happens is the Borgia family. The soon-to-be Pope ends up uh, capturing his his brother, his mother, everybody. 
and he he finds out, oh, my dad's an assassin. He finds his dad's gear. He finds all this stuff. And he's like, oh, shit. Okay, this is Well, he doesn't cool. even know what it is. He just like, he sees and he's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, at first he's kind of like, whoa, 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 what is this? My dad's like a banker. What the hell's going on? And, it, and it's like, hey, guess what? Your dad's like a, an assassin and he's a badass. Um, so basically... Ezio's wearing the assassin's gear and everything, and he finds out his uncle. He is an Uncle Mario, which is the best thing in the world. Um, uncle Mario, I will have to say, is a he's a treasure. He is really he straight up God, says nice. it's a me Mario. It's great. It's a I me love Mario. <laughs> I grow. I love it. Um, so yes, and he looks like Mario too. How does he look <laughs> like Mario? Stash. He lo- look him up, man. He's got a stash and everything. <laughs> I don't have to look him up. I know um, what he looks like. So yeah, so basically, Uncle Mario is also an assassin, but he's not. Re- he's not like his brother, and. Ezio's like, I'm going to try to, you know, save my dad, save my brother, save all, all, you know, and he fails ultimately. So he watches all three of those guys die. So the whole story, the majority of the first game is a revenge story. Yes. But it's also a coming of age story at the same time. Right. So during his time, he kind of travels through most of Italy. He goes from Florence to Tuscany to... Uh, of course, the Mario's villa in Monteregioni, um, uh, Rome, Venice, um, and he kind of, as he's going along the way, he learns more, you know, you know how to be an assassin. Um, he learns how to be stealthy. Uh, he learns the three tenets. He knows how to hide in plain sight. He knows how to um, use his, uh, you know, his, his hidden blades. Um you know, he, he meets great historical figures like um, Machiavelli uh, and, of course, Leonardo da Vinci, which, you know, their, their bromance is just, you know, it, is, it stands the test of time. This guy is got friends everywhere, and with, his mom helps him out, you know, his sister, like, they all help him through his journey. But he's, in the first game, he's using the assassins to kind of, like, like, an ends to... A means to an end. Um, He's using the assassins as a means to an end to destroy the Borgia. Um, Not even the whole family, just, you know, the Pope. He's like, this guy killed my family. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take him out. Yeah. He, 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 he goes to Rome. He beats the crap out of the Pope. It's awesome. Um, And was it Rodrigo Borgia? Uh, He is, uh, he, he turns himself into I, I what what is it like clones? He turns into clones, yeah, and yeah. then yeah, they had this big battle, and then he goes down, and he is, uh, I almost I think I believe because I don't think there was any other ones. I think he's like the first human ever to like see at least like a recording of the Isu people who we uh, touched on in the last episode of the Assassin's that Creed we know series of currently at that, that we know of currently in that time period. I'm not saying like for sure, but probably like. Is just never seen before. And he is, this is like one of the first kind of meta things of him being a conduit, not just for Desmond to learn about being assassin and about the assassins, but yeah. Minerva, one of the uh, key essential Isu people, leaves a message for Desmond through Ezio, through Ezio's memories that they knew Desmond was going to relive and talks to Desmond through Ezio. And that's really kind of the theme, I would say, of Ezio's entire arc and his journey through these three games is him 
being that bridge. He is a mystical telephone. That is what he is. <laughs> I have that written down. He is a mystical telephone. Um, before we get into the other two games, though, I'm going to talk real quick just about his character. Go ahead. And I mean by not like him as like a character in a video game. I mean like his character. I think the reason why they made so many games and this guy is in so much media for Assassin's Creed and even outside. I mean, what, they put him in like, what, Soul Calibur and all this other stuff? Um, he's in like so many other games is because he's so relatable. He's such a relatable character, even in the first game. Not You don't even really need the other two to make him relatable. He's just a relatable guy. And I think that that's why they decided, hey, this guy's a hit. Let's keep using him. Let's just let's talk about his entire existence, basically. And so one of the things that I thought in terms of like how he fits in the universe and how like it's kind of meta is like he knows his purpose, like towards the end of his life, he knows that he was part of something bigger than himself. And he knows like, oh, I he figures it out. and He's like, wow. I'm, I'm, I know I'm important and here's why. And I might not know the exact reason why, but I know decent amount. And I think that's cool because when he knows that he's part of something bigger than himself, he can respect it more. I think that is definitely probably one of Ezio's greatest strengths is, you know, once he's able to understand how a system or macrocosm kind of works he understands what his role is, and he does it. Yeah. And eventually, he ends up devoting his entire life to, like, the assassins, to the creed, and he ends up becoming, like, a master assassin, and he goes down in the history books of assassins. He goes down as one of the best master assassins ever. So not only do I think he's one of the best master assassins, but the game thinks he's one of the best master assassins. So I'm just going to throw that out there too, you know. <clears throat> <laughs> I think, I think uh, you know, they were, if you ask me, I feel like, you know, he did pretty well in the first one. They sold a lot. They had a lot of other great things in Assassin's Creed 2 that made it cool. A lot of great features. And they thought that they could keep running with that. And True. Ezio is a good character. I don't think he's a bad character. I just think that maybe taking the spotlight away from him would have been fine after the second game. Yeah, that's all I'm but, saying. But that's, that's what brings me to my next thing, though, about that is I enjoyed it. And I think everybody else did because the thing is, it wasn't his story's not over as just a revenge story because that's when Brotherhood comes out. And it's kind of like he has this journey that's his whole character evolves and they do a really great job of kind of like what I said was like how every game is kind of like every different kind of genre in a fiction. So at first, it's a revenge story. And then this, the on on Brotherhood, it becomes more it becomes more of like a protector kind of role and a rebuilder. And he's trying to rebuild the Brotherhood because the assassins have been decimated, even though he's defeated the Pope and beat his ass. And he knows what he's asking of all these people to like join the Brotherhood. He's like, hey, like you're gonna kind of give a huge chunk of your life away devoted to this cause like are you cool with that and all these people are like yeah let's do it and he you know recruiting assassins in that game is cool because it's not just about him going to 
prominent people or anything like that. He goes to people that he's helping. Like he's helped these people and he's like, hey. The liberation of Roma has begun. Will you join me? Yeah, literally. Literally, that's it. He's like, do you, you know, will you join me? And they're like, yes. And I think that's cool that he's he's the protector. He wants to protect these people and then bring them in. He's making a new family for himself, which I think is cool. Commander, I apologize for the interruption. You have an important incoming transmission. Lower party hosts Abu Zafar and Leah Wiggins would like to let you know that they're jumping through the Omega-4 relay and returning to the world of Mass Effect. They're hoping you'll join them on the Normandy and be a part of the crew. Just look for the Mass Effect episodes in the main lore party feed. End of transmission. Returning you to your episode. So, I have a question. What do you think? Do you think he's had, do you think he, after all of this, do you think he's the, I wouldn't say best assassin. I would, I would say best assassin in terms of his life journey and what he's done. The events in Ezio's life are both iconic, not just in our universe, but in the Assassin's Creed universe. Ezio is seen as a great symbol of the Creed, just as Altair was, but in a different way. Altair gave the Creed a new meaning, but Ezio gave the Creed a new drive. Again, I don't think that Ezio is bad, and I do think he's great. Like, he really is a wonderful and amazing person, as well as uh, a mentor for the Assassins. I think when he was younger, I didn't really like him all that much. Um, I liked him more in Brotherhood. Um, and then I just kind of felt sorry for him in, uh, in Revelations, because uh, he looked like he was still bound to the creed but his body was not being able to bounce back as well as it could i think is the the high was point worn was out, definitely just a little just a little yeah and like i don't know if you saw like the uh one of those extra short film animations of him like in his last few moments yep. uh of him with uh sophia um him I being cried. like crusty old and it was i mean I really like that entire moment uh, where he kind of looks back on his life and he thinks about, you know, the creed and, you know, what it means to be an assassin. Yeah, it it, it makes me want to tear up too. Because, like, Ezio gave everything. Everything. Because he lost everything that he had from the Templars. So he put everything else that he had in his entire life and then onwards into the creed. And it wasn't like he he willingly joined the assassins. He was straight forced into this life. He had no other choice. But it wasn't the Brotherhood that forced him into it. He had literally no other avenue to go down as he was staring death in the face, escaping from execution like his father and two brothers. And that is something that I think he brought with him, that kind of trauma, that feeling of survivor's guilt. He wanted to do the best that he could because of the family and the loved ones that he lost. And along the way, he lost more. And he lost so many friends and loved ones. He's had so much heartbreak. What he does is just take that back from those who, who took that from him. And I think Ezio also had great villains. Um, 
oh, at least yeah. from a story oh, standpoint, yeah. the Borgia were the perfect foils for the Altitores, um, just in the fact of just, you know, Cesare Borgia was the, like, anti-Ezio. He was perfect. Oh, yeah. He was snooty. He was better than everyone. Uh, he didn't care about anyone's life. Um it was it was perfect. Like I really like how the Borgia family and the you know brotherhood family um, just they went against each other so well. It was great. So I do want to move on to our next kind of point. Now that we've kind of talked about Ezio, who he was, what he was, and what he meant, not just for the franchise, uh, but also for the brotherhood in that universe. How would you kind of describe him? Like, what what kind of person was Ezio? Was he, you know, not just, you know, an assassin, but, like, was he a messenger? Was he a leader? Was he a mentor? What was he? Well, I think we touched upon, like, the whole legend aspect. But I think, I mean, that's like, that's obviously a given. But I'm going to straight up just say it, like, what we wrote down. Go ahead. He brought a renaissance to the renaissance. He was this, I hate to use the term, he was this revelation. He was this, like, amazing character. And he himself is a symbol, A, of the Italian renaissance. That's kind of a given. He he is when, in that time period, what people thought of the Italians during, like, the Renaissance, like, he really was, like, this charismatic, like, super smart person who, you know, had all this beautiful, you know, these beautiful outfits and these friends, and, like, that's, I mean, that and was, like, And built like, on a wealth of culture. Um, yeah. I mean, really... It, art, you know... Exactly, and the invention and being able to build off of what has already been established, it really is kind of like, you know, Ezio is the Brotherhood's rebirth or renaissance he is and 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 he is literally like the italian renaissance like as a person like he is <laughs> he is just when i played that game it was it, it made me say damn i could i could do that i, I could go there yeah i'd be, I'd be cool I, i'd do it <laughs> um but i mean that's my question to you like why do you think he's so well loved not only in game but then also, I mean, I mean, I know we kind of, I, t- I know I touched upon this a little earlier, but why do you think he's so well-loved, not only in-game, but like outside? I mean, I think you're right. Um, a lot to, a lot that has to do with it is because he is very relatable. Um, I don't really find him incredibly relatable, at least, you know, uh, appearance-wise, but I do find him very relatable in his passion, in his uh, charisma. He is very just all about wanting to do what he can for those around him. And, you know, it's something to be admired. Ezio is a really good character. Uh, and his story is told incredibly well, more than a lot of other people. And even in the game, there are just small moments of his interactions with people that show just how uh, kind and open he is, but also just how you know, passionate and funny he is. Like, there'll there'll be just times where he just gives these great one-liners, like, you know, he is, you know, James Bond or something, just throwing out really just good lines that kind of stick with you. He's a good character. He's well-designed. His look is just 
fantastic. Um, you know, he, he wrote the book on the rest of the franchise, and that was a good start. Uh, my only thing is that as great as he was, I feel like at least in the third game, he overstayed his welcome. And the whole thing about the franchise, to me, was that what, what would be great about it was that no matter how great or important or fun or memorable these characters and their stories were, you have to move on. You have to get to another character um, because that's kind of how this franchise goes. I love Altair. I love Bayek of Siwa. I love Jacob Fry uh, and Evie Fry, uh, but I like that they all have just one game because... You can get more out of these characters, and I think Ezio, above all of them, I feel like it could have been done with like you know some extended DLC. But I I like him, and he's like I said also before, he's got a great just foil. He's got great villains. Uh, anyone that he faced, it was perfect for what he felt was the creed and what he felt was right for the world. Uh, the the villains were a perfect foil against what was wrong with the world and what needed him to do about it. Now, I know you said the third one, you thought, oh boy, it's just kind of dragging out. What did, what did you feel about like his ending, his interaction with Altair, him like knowing what he really is and finally being like, ah, oh, it's over. And I know you'll probably you probably felt the same, like, oh thank God it's over. But you know, like Well, okay, what I will have you... to say two things from Revelations that I love. One is Yusef. Yusef is just an angel. I love him. He oh, is yeah. oh, the yeah. best character there. And it spoiler warning, because this game has been out for what, six years? Eight yeah. years, I think. Anyway, uh wow, wow, I'm old. When Yusef dies, that actually hit me pretty hard because I fucking loved him. The second, the second uh, favorite part to me is the entire ending of Assassin's Creed Revelations because I think it gives the best amount of closure for Ezio, uh, Ezio's fans, um, fans of the original Assassin's Creed, and it kind of puts a lot of different parts together. I think more than any other character in this entire franchise and almost in any other franchise, I think we have been able to live an entire lifetime through Ezio. And that is at least one thing I will say was very interesting to have these entire three games. Um, right there, sounds like you just convinced yourself that he's the best. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> See, for me, it's hey, look, I'm just gonna say you rambled on a little bit. Great, I, did, there, I rambled know? on, and good. then I'm just like, yeah, good. I like that. I was, I, I was like, I'm gonna just let him keep going, let him keep going. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.